Good evening. My name is John. For those who don't know me, we're glad that you have joined us for this partial gathering of Redeemer Online. It's good to see you here. Let's pray before we start. Father, would you give us grace now through your word? Would you help us now to be the church as you've called us to be the church? Please, we need help. We need your strength. I pray that you would get glory for yourself. That the hearing of faith would happen. That we would hear and believe what you say. So would you do that work by the power of the Holy Spirit in me and in us for your glory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, we're starting a series, five weeks, on the church. The church. In particular, we're talking about the local church. What is it? What is a local church? My working definition, this is it. This is not Bible, but I'm trying to get this from the Bible. This is the working definition. A local church is a group of believers who for the glory of God, are committed to gathering regularly under qualified leadership to affirm one another's faith, to encourage one another through the word of God and the ordinances, and to seek the spread of the gospel to all nations. That's wordy, isn't it? I mean, churches do more than this. I didn't mention praying in there. I didn't mention singing. Individuals in churches do a lot more than just that. But this is the bare minimum of what makes a local church a local church. Just listen again, if you can, if, you, if you're able to follow along, just listen. The bare minimum of what makes a local church a local church is that it's a group of believers who, for the glory of God, are committed to gathering regularly together under qualified leadership to affirm one another's faith, to encourage encourage one another through the word of God and the ordinances, that's like the Lord's Supper and baptism, and to seek the spread of the gospel to all nations. Now, we're not going to pull this definition apart this week because really that's what we're doing over the next five weeks. Next week, we're gonna, Luke's going to talk about the gathering. What's significant about the gathering of the church? We're going to talk about leadership in the church. What does the Bible say about leadership for local churches? We're going to talk about discipline in the church. How does God grow us? How are we supposed to care for one another? And finally, we're going to talk about the mission of the church. That's week five. So we're going to kind of suss this definition out over the next five weeks. This week, we're going to talk about the nature of the church. And what, what we're really trying to do tonight is we're, we're trying to see what it is that makes a local church more than just a group of Christians who encourage each other. Because I think that's probably the definition most people would give. If you ask, what's a local church? They'd say, well, it's a group of Christians that get together and encourage each other. What we're trying to do this week is see what is it about a local church that makes it more than that. And I want you to see that God wants you and all believers in a local church. Some of you don't need to be convinced, some of you do, and I hope that this helps. And we're going to do this by asking two questions. What is the universal church? 
And then by asking, how are local churches different than the universal church? So those two questions. What is the universal church? And how are local churches different than the universal church? Because sometimes when the Bible uses the word church, it's the universal church, which means it's talking about all believers who belong to Christ. Sometimes, though, when the Bible uses the word church, it's talking about local churches like ours. And we want to see the difference. You need to make sure that you are in both of those and not assume that because you are in one, you are in the other as well. So that's what I'm hoping we'll see tonight with these two questions. What is the universal church? And how are local churches different than the universal church? So here's the first question. What is the universal church? When you read the Old Testament, the people of God are the people of Israel. So you could ask the question, who are the people of God? And then you could point to a nation and say, that's, that's who it is. The nation of Israel, those are the people of God. If you were an Israelite, your parents were Israelites, it didn't matter if you actually trusted Yahweh, you were still one of the people of God because the people of God were the nation of Israel. But something big changes when Jesus comes. He makes a new people for God. And this new people is not a nation, but it's people who trust him from all the nations. Do you guys know Ephesians 2? 8. 2, 8. Turn, turn to Ephesians 2 if you can or flip to it. We're going to, by the way, be all over the Bible tonight. So if you can't flip there in time, just try to listen carefully. But we're going to be in Ephesians 2 for just a minute. So turn to Ephesians 2, flip there if you can. Ephesians 2, verse 8. This is one of those verses like Luke was talking about that you should memorize. Ephesians 2, 8. For by grace you have been saved through so the way that you are saved from your sins is by grace. That means it's a gift. You are, Jesus went to the cross. He died in your place. And it's a gift to you. Salvation is a gift, a free gift. You don't pay for it. How do you receive it? Through faith. You are saved by what Christ did on the cross when you believe but something else happens to you when you believe and are saved. You aren't just forgiven and then left to yourself. You are put into the household of God alongside of everyone else who believes. Listen, this is just 10 verses later. If you just move your eyes down, Ephesians 2, 18 through 19, this is Paul writing and he says, For through Jesus... Through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So when he says both, we both have access, he means both the nation of Israel, the old covenant people of God, and every other ethnicity in the world. Both of those groups, they have access to God in the spirit, and it's all through Jesus. Verse 19, so then... You are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens 
with the saints and members of the household of God. So if you trust in Christ, no matter your background, no matter what you've been through, no matter where you're from, you are a full member of God's household. You're a full member of God's family. Family with other believers. And another name for this household, this family, is the church. 1 Timothy 3.15, Paul says, If I delay, I want you to know how you ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church. So here's, here's what we're saying right now. You are saved by trusting in Jesus. And then you're put into the household of God. And God's household is the church. It's made of people from every tribe, tongue, and language. That's the universal church. If you trust in Jesus, you are a part of the universal church. The word universal just means everywhere. Universal. It's believers everywhere across all nations and all time. That's the universal church. If you trust in Jesus, you're in. You are a part of a spiritual family, God's family, with everyone else who believes. Now, the New Testament uses other pictures to describe the universal church. We're the temple of God. So that means each one of us is like a brick in God's temple being built up, and the Spirit fills us all together. We're the bride of Christ. That means we're like one unit that is going to be united to Jesus forever. We're the body of Christ. So we're all different members of one body, Jesus' body. We're all connected to Jesus. Every individual Christian is connected to Jesus, but that means we're all connected to each other. We're all different, but because we're connected, we all need each other for our differences. So these are just some of the New Testament metaphors that describe the church, and all of them are communicating that you are not saved to be alone. You belong to something bigger. You are interdependent with other Christians. That's just crystal clear when you read the Bible. You are meant to rely on other Christians if you're going to glorify God in the way he wants you to glorify him. You can't be the household of God, the temple of God, the bride of Christ, the body of Christ by yourself. All of us together manifests God's wisdom. That's Ephesians 3.10. I don't know if your eyes can just hop down there. All of us together as the church are what manifest God's wisdom. Ephesians 3.21, it's the church with Christ that brings God glory. If you are a believer, you belong to other believers because you are a member of the universal church. It's all believers everywhere. Now, because the New Testament talks about the church this way sometimes, you might think, okay, I'm a member of the body of Christ. I guess I should care about other Christians. I'll spend time with other Christians, love them. That's how Jesus wants me to be part of the church. Well, while Jesus does want that for you, that's not all that Jesus has called you to in the church. So imagine you're looking for a job in Alline 
and a super wealthy billionaire entrepreneur approaches you and he says, I want to start a football club. I'm going to pay for everything. I want you to get this club started. Here's what I want. I want you to get as many footballers as you can and I want you to organize them into teams. And I want each team to have coaches, make sure that each team schedules their own practices and they make up their own training regimen. Can you do that? Yes, sir. So you start gathering as many footballers as you can. You get a lot of them. You start this club and you're just filling it with footballers. That's soccer players for Americans. And one day, the business owner, he comes to you. He sees this club you've started. He sees all these footballers, but he's troubled. And he asks you, why didn't you arrange these footballers into teams and assign coaches and have them schedule their own practices and training regimen? And you say, well... I thought the important thing was that I start the club and get lots of footballers in. And he says, well, that's great, but it's not what it could be because it's not what I asked for. Many Christians treat the church this way, as though Jesus only wants lots of believers, but he doesn't give us any instructions about how we're supposed to order ourselves when we're together. Let me say that more positively. Jesus has told us how he wants us to live our lives together, and it's for our flourishing. It's for our good. It's for, our, for his glory. And so it matters. Not just that we're in the universal church, that we believe. He has shown us how he wants us to order our lives together in local churches. The way that Jesus wants you to live out your membership in the universal church is by living it out in a local church. And I want you to see that. And the way I hope you see that is by us asking this next question. How are local churches different than the universal church? So that's where we're going. We're asking the second question now. How are local churches different than the universal church? We're going to look at three ways that local churches are different than the universal church. And my hope is that by seeing what makes local churches different than the universal church, you'll see that Christ wants more for you than simply having encouraging friendships with Christians. Christ wants you to live out your Christian life in ways that can only happen by being a committed member of a local church. So here's the first difference. The universal church doesn't gather, but each local church has its own gathering. Okay, so that's the difference. The universal church doesn't gather together, but each local church has its own gathering. Listen to the way that Paul uses the word church in these three passages. You can just listen. You don't have to turn there because I'm going to go through them quick. But listen to how Paul uses the word church. 1 Corinthians 16, 19. The churches of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Prisca, together with the church in their house, send you hearty greetings in the Lord. Colossians 4.15. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. 
So a church meets in Nympha's house. A particular church does. Philemon, verses 1 through 2. Paul's writing to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. So these churches, I mean, these verses are just showing that Paul thought of local churches as groups that were smaller than the universal church that met in particular places. So you can be a member of the universal church, but that doesn't mean you're a member of the church in Nympha's house. Do you follow what I'm saying? The church that met at Nympha's house was a particular group of Christians that met in a particular place. And the New Testament assumes if you are a member of the universal church, you have a particular people that you gather with in a particular place. Christianity is not like Islam. When the call to prayer happens, you go to whatever mosque is closest to you. It doesn't matter that the same people are there at the same place. The other people and the place don't matter so long as it's a mosque-type building. That's what matters. That's not true for the church. The reason that Paul could talk about the church in Philemon's house, that church sends you greetings is because they were a particular group of Christians who regularly gathered at the same time in the same place. If I were to say, the mosque at Tawaya sends you greetings, you would be confused. Like, wait, the building with the minarets on, on it is sending a greeting to me? That's because mosques aren't particular people who are committed to one another. Local churches are. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians eleven eighteen. 18. Turn there, 1 Corinthians 11. There are a couple verses in 1 Corinthians we're going to look at, so it would help if you can turn or click there. 1 Corinthians eleven eighteen. Paul says this. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part. Now, what's interesting about this phrase, about this verse, is the phrase, when you come together as a church. Paul is assuming that this particular church has a time that they meet, and they can all come together at once. They can meet together and know that everyone who's a part of them is there, and they can know if people who are a part of them are not there. If I said, man, it's been a busy week. My kids have been out a lot. But this past Friday, we were able to come together as a family. When I say come together as a family, I'm talking about particular people. I know when my family is all together. It doesn't mean just me and my oldest son were together. If I use the phrase come together as a family, I mean particular people that we were together. Paul assumes that you know who members of your church family are and that you can tell when you're together and when you're not. Do you know who's in your church family? 1 Corinthians 14, it's probably a page or two later. 1 Corinthians 14, 23. Paul's talking to this same church and he's telling them, listen, only speak in tongues if there's an interpreter there. 
That's what he's talking about. 1 Corinthians 14, 23, he says, If therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say you are out of your minds? Okay, so look at that verse. If the whole church comes together, that implies, again, that the whole church can come together and you would know if the whole church was together and if it wasn't. But look, it also mentions outsiders. So you know who is, who is part of your church in that building and you know who outsiders are. It's not saying because someone entered the room that they are a member of the church. Here's the case I'm making, in case you're confused. The universal church that every believer is a part of does not gather at a particular place in a particular time. We will someday, when Christ returns, everyone from every nation and all times will gather around the throne, and it will be amazing. But until then, you and I are to gather with a group of people we can identify as our local church, made up of particular people who gather at particular times and particular places. Each local church has its own gathering, and you're called to know where your church gathering is and who's a member of it. Okay, here's the second difference. The universal church doesn't have pastors and elders, but each local church does. The universal church doesn't have pastors and elders, but each local church does. So when Paul and his partners started churches in the cities that they preached in, they appointed leaders for each church. So this is Acts 14, 23. It says, when they, talking about Paul and Barnabas, had appointed elders for them in every church, with prayer and fasting they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So each church had their own pastors. That's what elders are. Each church, each local church, had their own pastors, elders. Listen to 1 Peter 5, 1 through 2. We talked about this in a series sometime last year, two years ago. 1 Peter 5, 1 through 2. Peter commands the elders. So he's talking to elders now. And he says, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker, a partaker in the glory that's going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. So Peter is not telling elders that they're supposed to wander around the world and they're supposed to shepherd any Christian they come across. He's saying, no, you shepherd the flock that's among you. Being a shepherd doesn't mean that you look after every sheep on planet Earth. In fact, if you tried to look after every sheep on planet Earth, it would make you a bad shepherd because you would neglect the ones you were supposed to take care of. Shepherds are designed, pastors are designed not to look after sheep everywhere, but particular sheep, the ones entrusted to their care. The universal church doesn't have pastors who shepherd the whole church. Local churches have pastors and elders. Local churches have leadership in a way the universal church doesn't. And here's why this matters. Hebrews 13, 17. Look at it, flip, flip to it if you want. Hebrews 13, 17. I'm telling you, why does it matter? Okay, you showed 
or I tried to show, that local churches have pastors and elders. The universal church does not. This is why it matters. Hebrews 13, 17. This is a command to all Christians. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Did you hear the wording there? Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they're keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. You are not called to obey all Christian leaders. You're called to obey your leaders. And you need to know who they are if you're going to obey this verse. You're, you're being called here to be under leadership, but not all leadership. So if you're a member of this church, you're not supposed to follow the leadership of the pastors at AAEC or the pastors at Filipino Evangelical Christian Church, or the pastors of Redeemer Dubai, or Grace Abu Dhabi. You are to obey your leaders. So just imagine that someday Jesus asks you, did you listen to and obey Hebrews 13, 17? I'm arguing that you can't obey Hebrews 13, 17 unless you are part of a local church. Because the universal church doesn't have pastors and elders, local churches do. You're not supposed to submit to the leadership of every local church out there, just one. It's for your good. They're supposed to keep watch over your souls. Jesus set this up as a grace. And it's supposed to come to you by being a part of the local church. The local church has its own elders, Here's the last difference. Number three, the universal church doesn't discipline its members, but each local church should. So the universal church, all Christians everywhere, the universal church doesn't discipline its members, but each local church should. Now, when I use the word discipline, I'm talking about removing an unrepentant member from the church. Now, the, the word discipline means more than that. It means positive instruction. Luke's going to preach on the discipline of the church in a few weeks. But here, what I'm going to do is highlight a passage about removing someone from the church to show that discipline is the job of local churches, not the universal church. So 1 Corinthians 5, you can turn there. 1 Corinthians 5 one of the members of this church is involved in terrible, unrepentant sin. And Paul is telling the church they need to remove this man from among them. Here's what he says. 1 Corinthians 5, verses 4 through 5. When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus, and my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. See the wording? When you are assembled. Again, Paul assumes that this local church can assemble. They can all gather together and know that they are assembled as a church. And he's saying, then, and only then, when all the members are together, you're to deliver this man over to Satan, which means they're removing him from the protection of their fellowship. Now, 
In order to discipline someone, the church has to be assembled, which means Paul's clearly not talking about the universal church. That's impossible to assemble every believer in every nation across all time at the same time and in the same place. No, he's saying when, when this particular church, when your particular church is assembled, you as a church are performing discipline on this member. So Paul's being clear in 1 Corinthians 5. Discipline is the local church's responsibility. Local churches are responsible to oversee people's faith and to remove members who are unrepentant. You need to make sure that it is possible for you to be removed from a church someday if you become unrepentant. Your responsibility while you're trusting Christ now is to make sure that it is possible for you to be removed from a local church someday if you become unrepentant. If you're not a member of any local church, it's not actually possible for you to be removed. And so you're not walking in accord with what God wants for you and for the good of his churches. Jesus wants his churches to remove people who are unrepentant. But if you never join anywhere so that you can't be removed, you're subverting, undermining what Jesus has designed for your good and for the church's good. God has made local churches, particular people who get together to watch over one another's souls. And that we'd call one another back when we're in sin, and we'd go so far to say, you are being unrepentant. You won't listen to anyone, so we as a church are removing you. We can no longer affirm that you're a Christian. The universal church can't do that. Only local churches can. So be a part of the local church. Don't be the kid who quits the game of tag every time right before he gets tagged. You know what I'm talking about? I don't know. Every culture plays tag where you, somebody's it, you're trying to tag the other person. But we all know the kid. Maybe you were the kid. You want to play the game, but as soon as someone's about to tag you, you quit. That's undermining the point of the whole game. Being around churches but never becoming accountable to one of them subverts, it undermines one of the most precious reasons that Christ gives us local churches. So, here's summary. Be in a church where you know who the other members are. You gather with them at particular times, in particular places. You can know when the whole church is gathered and when it's not. You know who an outsider is and who's not. Be in a church where you know who your pastors are and they know who you are. And be in a church that cares enough about you that they would kick you out if you walk in unrepentant sin. You can only do those things if you're a member of a local church. All Christians everywhere are part of Christ's universal church, but God has special things for the members of his universal church as they are members in local churches. Now, some of you are members of this church, so you're going like, what are you trying to convince me to be like a double member? I just want you to know that membership, what we do here in this church, isn't just some silly thing we do because we like to be intense. I hope you long, even, even when you're not in Alline anymore, 
I hope you long, desire, wherever you go, to be committed to a local church that's committed to you. This is how Jesus wants his churches. Now, for believers who are here and are not members of local churches, a local church, find one. It does not have to be ours, but find one that you can commit to and that will commit to you. There are no perfect, there are no close to perfect local churches, but these, this is Christ's design for his body. Okay, this, is, this really is closing now. This is 2 Corinthians 8. Paul is explaining in 2 Corinthians 8.23 who his fellow workers are. And he makes this little comment that's amazing. 2 Corinthians 8.23, he says, As for Titus, he's my partner and fellow worker for your benefit. And as for our brothers, they are messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. Churches. Not just the, the church. Churches are the glory of Christ. Christ is glorified in churches. His glory is seen in local churches. And just as he has called us to be a part of the glory of the one huge universal church, he's called us to be a part of his glory in local churches that are committed to one another. Let's pray. Oh, Father, thank you for your church. that you have made a body, united us to yourself forever, and others who trust in you by faith. Oh, thank you. I pray that we would be people who love what you're doing in the local church. I pray that we would be convinced and that you would bless the local churches in this city to shine for the glory of Christ. Oh, please help us, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.